Hey, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. How good are dads? Dads are good, aren't they? You know, I mean, my dad, one of the greatest things my dad ha- did for me is he taught me that um, whatever it is, we can prob- well, let's have a crack at it. And uh, we, didn't always, we didn't always fix it, we didn't always build it well, but we had a crack at it. And, uh, you know, my attitude to anything now is let's just have a crack at it and see what happens. And it's amazing what you can do that can do, you know, that can do attitude. Sometimes you don't pull it off, sometimes you do. But when you pull off something that you didn't dream of, what an amazing, you know, what an amazing thing to do. So, um, look, please, you know, my dad's 5,000 k's away. So, um, can you say, can you help me say happy Father's Day to my dad through the microphone? Are you ready? Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. That's right, Dad. We, I love you. The church loves you. And... Uh, and uh, we, we thank you. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. It simply says this. It says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. We're going to talk a little bit about fathering today, but before we do, I want to talk about the sun. I've got a picture of the sun up there. Now, here's the deal. The sun creates light by this amazing process where 600 million tonnes of hydrogen get transformed into 596 million tonnes of helium every second. Now there's 4 million tonnes left over and that 4 million tonnes becomes light and that is, what, that is what we see, that is what we experience. And, and here's the thing, out of that 4 four million tons of light, one billionth of it gets to the earth. You see, the sun spreads the light in all directions uh, and we get one billionth of it on earth. 600 million tons of hydrogen gets transformed to 596 million tons of helium. Four million tons of light is created as a side effect and we get one billionth of that on earth and every increment of life on earth relies and requires that light to live. And here's the thing, once that transformation has taken place, once that hydrogen is turned into helium, it can't go back. So it's gradually, the sun is gradually dying to itself and eventually in however many, many, many millions of years, it will, it will end. But here's the thing, I'm sure the, the Lord has uh, got a plan for that and he'll be back well before that happens. But the sun is dying to itself and as it dies to itself, as it transforms the, the, the core of hydrogen into helium, it creates this light that sustains our lives. And every little plant on earth gets, gets to experience this process called photosynthesis, which creates those beautiful plants that that our food gets to eat and then we get to eat that food. How good is our God? One billionth of that reaches the earth and this, you know, once it transforms itself into light, it disperses light in every direction. Isn't it amazing when something, when you get transformed in your life, 
You don't get to control where the hope goes. It just goes everywhere. You know, you get you stand a bit taller. Your 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 shoulders are are, are back. Your eyes you seem to smile a little bit more than you used to, and and the hope just transfers in every direction. Everything on earth is dependent on this stuff that we call the sun. Everything that is happening in the life of this planet is directly dependent upon the light of a dying sun. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we take communion each Sunday in this church because it says every time you take communion, every time you do these things in remembrance of me, you proclaim what? You proclaim my death till I come, Jesus says. Every person on this earth is dependent on the dying of God's son so that we can have eternal life. Romans 1.20 says all of creation, all of creation is an example of the, glory, of, the, of the invisible qualities of our God. Everything since the beginning of time that God created is, is a display of the invisible qualities of our God. And the sun is one of those things, isn't it? You know, and I think, you know, dads on earth are a bit of an earthly reflection of what, of, of what the sun is doing. You know, we die to ourselves, don't we? we ha- and, and where we don't, where we're selfish, where we're selfish, our, our children and our families suffer to a degree, don't they? God's calling us to be a reflection of what he is to humanity, of we are to our families and to our community. Not just our immediate family. We've got guys like uh, Johnny Northwood. He's over in kids' church today. He's, you know, he's 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 being a father to your kids right now, and he's a, he's a school teacher over in over in in Coolum there, and he's raising up kids and he's blessing them, you know, as a spiritual father there. We've got guys who don't have kids got, got, who of their own. Guys like Col- if you've got kids in this church, you probably met a guy called Colin Pettit, who's who loves every one of your kids more than you do, and he and they love him more than they love you. He has more fun with them than they can have with each other. And, and he, he just loves kids. And, he, you know, we've got guys like Luke Brundle who's just come back from Lombok who, who's been over there as a, um, in the midst of this, this decimated place. You know, we hear one news item about an earthquake in Lombok and then we forget about it. He's over there in the midst of the rubble and they're like, what do we do now? The place is decimated. Where do we start? So what does a father do? A father goes and steps into that place and says, well, let's just start here. And he helps them pull something apart and they bring something together. Fathers, they, they're catalysts for growth. They put themselves in hard situations. He's lying on the floor, feeling the rumbles at night. You know, he's, he's saying, oh, well, there we go. You know, this is, this is what fathers do. They put themselves in situations where they can be catalysts for others' growth. Ian Wallace puts himself right in the midst of his, of his, of his son's school and says, oh, well, here I am. I'll, I'll put my life on the line or my, my things on the line so that you can live your dream. You see, we don't, fathers don't do it uh, for their children. They catalyst their children's capacity to do it for themselves. They encourage. Isn't this what the Lord does? We want the Lord just to give it. Lord, just, you know, bless me that I may win the $600 million lotto this week, you know. And the Lord's saying, well, I'll tell you what. How about you get a job, you save some money, I'll encourage you each day, I'll put the sun up in the sky and I'll make it dark at night so you can get some rest. You go get a job, put some money in the bank, and guess what? You might buy yourself a house. 
You know, he, this is what fathers do. If fathers just give you everything before you can handle it, what happens? You don't handle it. But if he encourages you every day, we wake up in the morning, we say, good morning, Lord. If we, if we, if, you know, if we, if we say, Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. We, we've honoured our Heavenly Father and he walks with us. He walks alongside us. So what's the greatest gift we can give our kids and just others in life in general? I think the greatest gift that we can give anybody in life is for them to see our relationship with God lived out in, in the open. You know, one, of the, one of the hardest things is our, our, our life with God tends to be our personal relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? You know, we, we go and pray on our own, we go and read our Bible on our own and then, and then when we come out as men, we talk about football. You know, we talk about cars, talk about how terrible our wife is, except for me, my wife's amazing. And uh, it's the rest of the, the men. And <laughs> so here's the question on the table. What is visible of my relationship with my heavenly dad? What is visible in my relationship with my heavenly dad? It's a great question to ask yourself as a father, isn't it? You know, a lot of times where... where um, you know, mums do, uh, you know, do all the directing and the discipline and dads are the fun guy. We have the fun, they, you know, so, and, and sometimes we can get caught, you know, in the process of, of trying to be cool for our kids instead of, instead of being present in Jesus' name for our children. And I want to encourage you this morning with a few different things that we can do, you know, and, 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 and to, to make us, you know, visibly relating to God. What makes us, what makes us, um, you know, look like God. When people see my father, who you just, you just gave a, um, a, a, a great welcome to, when they see him for the first time, they go, man, you look like your dad. And I say, yeah, it's called DNA genius. And here's the thing with our heavenly father. Do we look like our dad? Do we look like our heavenly dad? I don't know. Do we sound like him? Does our character like him? Is our nature like our heavenly father? Do I talk like him? Do I have similar traits? Do, am I a peacemaker? Am I forgiving? You know, it, it's, you know we, we go, you know, you reading the Bible is doesn't necessarily, it's not the only way to show your children, you know, that, that you're a, a son or, you know, that you're a son of God. You praying in public is not the only way that you can show them. You, you bringing your kids to church, these are, these are increments. But it's as, we, as our lives begin to look like our heavenly father's life to look like our Lord Jesus' life, then our kids get to, to see these things. It doesn't mean that we, you know, we're walking on water. You know, it means that we're, we're forgiving. We, d- we defend the needy. We have compassion. You know what I mean? We, 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 we have confidence in what we're walking on. We, we understand where authority comes from. And we're not, we're not chasing after things ourselves. We're at peace in what we do. And I think, wow, these are the attributes that I want my children to see in me so that they want a relationship with my heavenly dad like I do. Fathering begins with the vision and hope of putting our children in touch with God through Christ. That's where fathering begins. 
There's lots of things we need to do in fathering. You know, the, you know, how do I know if I'm a good father? The pressure's on, isn't it? The pressure's on in the fathering years, in the early fathering years, especially because we're, we're building a business, we're building a house, we're trying to love our wives, we're trying to eat the food. You know, with all these different challenges that we face at the same time as, as being a reflection of God's love toward our children. It's a challenging time in life, isn't it? You know, sometimes I always look at the seasons of life. I'm going, man, there's this chunk in the middle there between your 20s and your, and your 50s that is, that is just hectic because everything seems to happen then. You know, you pretty well cruise up until you're 20 and then you pretty well, you know, uh, cruise at a, at a later dates as well. And we go, but everything seems to be jammed in the middle and, and it's hard to be great at everything. That's why we need to, to, to be people who acknowledge the reality, two things, the reality of our earth dad and our heaven dad. You see, I think a lot of times as fathers, we take on this burden of being everything for our children. And we like the idea that our, that our children get to see us have a great relationship with their mother. But I want to suggest to you the greatest gift is that they see your relationship with your heavenly dad. You know, because here's the battle with humanity is, you know, the... The, the ebb and flow of earth, earthly parents is challenging, isn't it? Sometimes there's one, sometimes there's two, sometimes there's none. You know, so, you know, so, uh, you know sometimes, there's all different scenarios, but we have one heaven, heavenly dad. And our relationship with him is the greatest thing that we can model for our children. We don't do it for modeling's sake. We do it because he's the source of life, because his sacrifice, like the sun, his dying to self is what restores us and what gives us eternal life. And I want my children and your children to walk in eternal life as well. So what if the main focus of fathering had to do with simply the business of connecting our children to their heavenly father? So how do we do this? The first thing you do is you educate yourself about earth dad and heaven you need to understand that you're, you're an earth dad. You can't do heaven, heaven dad stuff. You, but you can introduce your kids to their heavenly dad. You can show them how to talk to him. You can, you can know him in such a way that you start to look like him. You can, you can talk to him in a way that changes the way that you talk to them. You can know so much about Jesus' life that... that that his approach to people becomes your approach to people. See, one of the chief sources of anxiety for fathers today is for us to, to picture ourselves or to protect that picture that we're successful, that we're good, that we're right, because we want to be that for our children. And sometimes we're trying to be traits for our children that are not our traits to have. We need to point those kids to their heavenly dad and say those traits you might not see them in your earth dad but guess what they're completely in your heaven dad you don't need to be perfect you know our goal is to be a reflection of god but the beauty is when we make a mistake we haven't failed we we just get to we go oh we get to repent and every time i repent every time i forgive i can tell my children or they can see that that's a trait that i've inherited from my heavenly dad I'm not perfect, but guess what? It's all right because I'm related to someone who is. And the more time I spend with him, the more I start to look like him. 
Not because, you know, I want to puff myself up in pride and say I'm like God. No, but because I want to, I want to be a reflection of him to you so that when you're, when you're um, at the right time, you will connect to him like I've connected to him. Most of our anxiety as fathers tends to, to be understood by comparison. You know, something that kids do is, my dad's better than your dad. Has anyone said that in their life at some point? My dad's better than your dad. My dad drives a Hilux, you know. Your dad's got a Commodore. Christian's kids go, my dad's got a Kia Picanto. He did build that tent in two minutes though. Come on. <laughs> One of the most powerful characteristics a dad in a dad, I believe, ought to be a willingness to abandon anything that that makes our identity a result of competition. When your identity comes from a competitive space with another person on earth, you, you know, you, you, you will be challenged. Now, I love competition. I think the Lord blessed us with, with um, sport. I think he blessed us with, you know, with, with all codes of football. You know, with all, you know, there's other, other sports as well, I'm sure. But <laughs> So I love competition. I, I love it. But here's the thing. Identity is not a sport. Dads, identity is not a sport. You are not a good father because you're a better father than someone else. You're not a good father because, you know, you earn more than someone else because you've got a better car than someone else. You're not a good father because you've got more kids than anyone else, Luke Brundle. <laughs> you're a good father because you know God. You're a good father because in your failings, you go, don't worry, kids. Guess what? I'm trying. I'm your earth dad, but guess there's a heaven dad. He's the man. He's the man. A healthy dad seeks to stay connected with God by seeking to connect his family with God. Remember, this doesn't just, you know, if you're, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have a, a, a kids today, you know, in the, in the old-fashioned way of kids, you know, understand this. Fathering is not limited to that space. Like we said, we gave those examples before. You know, fathering is not limited. Fathering is not even limited to men. It's an attribute of our Heavenly Father that gets to encourage, that gets to inspire, that gets to connect and relate. So the greatest thing we can do for anyone in our life, the greatest way we can father our community is that we have a great connection to our Heavenly Father and we ooze His hope. We use his life and we inspire him to do great things. We are the source, you know, we are the conduit, you know, we're the plants receiving the photosynthesis from the sun that brings food to those around us. And when we trivialise the depth of our need for God, we weaken our ability to be instruments for our family's connection to him. The greatest Thing that you can do as a father is to realize your need for God. 
All the other things that you think make you a good father, provision, yes, good one, you know, interaction, yes, good one, you know, loving your, loving your wife, yes, good one, all those sorts of things, they're good. But the, the, the greatest thing is to acknowledge your need for him. Because if you don't acknowledge your need, you'll be in, there'll, two things will happen to you. One, you'll, you'll get full of pride, and then when you, when you walk into a situation that you cannot solve, you will get full of depression. This is the battle with someone who doesn't have a heavenly dad or doesn't acknowledge their need for their heavenly dad. When I'm walking along and I fail, I go, it's okay, just look straight past me. Apostle Paul says, follow me, guess what, but only as I follow Christ. Look, I'm your earth dad, but guess what, you know, I'm going to fail, don't worry, there's a heaven dad who's, who, 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 is, who is perfect in every way. There's freedom, isn't there? There's freedom in acknowledging your need because you don't have to be all things to your children. You don't have to be all things to your community. You be the very best you can be. And then you go, look, only by God's grace can I even do that. Let's give all glory to heaven, Dad. You know, a famous sculptor speaking to a group of students said, your will has no part in the creative process. Your will has no part in the creative process. The use of the will is simply to keep you at it. But it doesn't deliver the product because you don't yet know what you most truthfully want to produce. You see, fathering is not so much about considering or contemplating you know, what you want your children to turn out like, is it? It's not so much about that. It's about showing them how to discover and to connect to their heavenly dad. And then whoever they become will be great. Whoever they become will be great. Whatever happens, happens. If you know that your children love God, then whatever happens, happens. Is great, doesn't it? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter then, does it? So our role is not to so much focus on what we want their behaviour to look like, but it's, it's who their friend circle is going to be and who their, who their dad's going to be. I'm your dad, but you know, I, I, I want to simply be a reflection of your heavenly dad. And where I'm not, that's good, just see straight through me. I'll try to be as transparent as I can. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way... Listen, you can read this two ways. You can tra train up a child in the way they should go, and they will, uh, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Or you can say, train up a child in the way they should go. Not the way they should go, the way they should go. And this is the battle, this is the battle, what's the way, the, the way they should go is side by side with the king of all kings. You know, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, in Eden, didn't he? He wants to walk alongside us, he wants to encourage us, he wants to equip us. You know, what is, you know when, when Jesus was born, he was named, they said, let's name this, 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 this child Emmanuel which means what? God with us. Not God in front of us, not God behind us, not God pointing at us, not God directing us, God with us. He gives us, he gives us the capacity to do what he does. He wants us to walk with our children and to introduce them to him. Not so much to tell, not so much to tell them what to do, but to introduce them and to walk with them and say, okay, let's have a relationship in this direction. Here's a thought. Children cannot become holy by copying our lives. 
We allow them to watch us and learn the shape and the rhythm of being a follower because we've, worked for, we've walked further and we've worked harder. But here's the thing. But then they have to take their own steps and create a life that has never been lived before. If your kid, you know, the dream, of, the dream back in the day was that the, the children would take over the family business. You know, that the, that the son would take on the same trade or the same business as the father. You know, or the, you know, the, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it, that doesn't happen anymore. Kids seem to want to be polar opposites to their parents' trade. You know, my father was a school teacher. My goodness me. Let's give it up for our school teachers. I mean, they are, you know, they, you know, they deal with all of your terrible mistakes as parents. Let me just, <laughs> let me just. We want our kids to live a life of their dream, of their hope. But our goal as parents is that they would walk alongside Jesus as they do. There's no incremental technique to being a great father. But there is one thing. Know your heaven dad. Acknowledge your need for your heavenly father. And as you do these two things, you will get to experience a life that begins to start looking like him. And when you start looking like him, then your children will want a relationship with him as well. The best version of you is a version of you that has an amazing relationship with God. The most attractive version of you is a version of you that has acknowledged your need for your Heavenly Father. So what do we do? We become discerners of the rhythm of God. Children see your rhythm of life. Hey, they, they see more than you think they see. They, they are aware of more than you think they're aware. The world is more aware of the church than we think they're aware of. You know, but they see it from the outside. They see, how does the church look like God? They see the institution. Why do they see the institution? Because the, the body of Christ's relationship with God is not lived out in public. So the only thing they get to see is the institution. And the institution always fails because it's not, God, it's not of God. We build churches to house the body, not to be seen as the body. People come onto this property and go, well, you guys have got a lot of money. You know what I mean? They go, oh, it's all about the money, is it? The church, I go, no, it's all about the people. This property is just to house the believers. But the problem is people will never stop thinking like that when all they see is the church property and the church institution and not the lives of the body of Christ lived out in public. And that begins with you acknowledging your greatest need is your heavenly Father. So what does discernment look like? Well, discernment simply choosing between courses of action. Which course of action resonates with the, with the life that Christ lives, lived or lives? Which course of action, you know, uh, you know would Jesus have taken in this, in, you know, in, in, in my, if he was in my shoes? Which course of action opens up more possibilities for God to come through? 
See, now the sun that is dying to itself to give us light and photosynthesis and the perfect amount of warmth and vitamin D and I'm sure a bunch of other things is not to be worshipped. You know, we could go, wow, you know, let's worship the sun. Look at what the sun does. The sun is the source of light and life and photosynthesis and all the vitamin D and all those different crazy things that it does. Man, maybe we should worship the sun. No, the sun is evidence. The sun is evidence. Look at that Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Let's consider this, as we look to be like the sun, so that our lives would create a culture in our homes that make God's invisible attributes clearly seen in our family. Is that what you want to see in your family? You want to see the, the invisible attributes of God clearly seen? Your children our community, will, they won't see them in our buildings, they won't see them in our, our statement of faith, in our belief statement, they'll see them in your interactions with life, in how you respond, in how you forgive, in how you repent, in how much hope you've got, in how much you look like your heavenly father. Earth dad and heaven dad. The better we get that revelation, the more liberty we get to bring to our children, the more hope we don't, you know, people go, oh, oh, my dad was terrible, therefore, you know, and he was a believer, therefore, um, you know, it's no, it's no God for me growing up. Or we get the revelation and we go, you know what, son, daughter, wife, my goal is to be like my heavenly dad, is to be a reflection of him. And I'm going to fail. Every day I'm going to fail in some way. Why? Because I'm selfish and because, you know, I've got, I'm, I've got a past and I've broken and a lot of million different reasons why we fail. But guess what? I'm going to try every day to be a reflection of my heavenly dad. But when I'm not, please see through me and see him. When my grace is not sufficient, his grace is sufficient. When my provision is not sufficient, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and is all sufficient. You know, when, when my love is, is insufficient, when I'm selfish, guess what? He is selfless and he is perfection. When we communicate these things to our children, our children get to see a bigger picture than their household. They get to, see, they get to actually see an invisible attribute of God because it's not visible in me. It's, it's, it's visible when I say, I am not enough for you. Apostle Paul says to, towards the end of his, his time, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. Why did he say that? He's saying, because stop, don't glorify your father, glorify your heavenly father. I, Paul says, I begat you in Christ. He says, I may have given birth to this church. I may, have, I may have authored this church, but there is an author of life who is bigger and greater than me and greater than your earthly dads. We live our relationship with God outwardly. And we become discerners of directions that open up the possibility of God being seen in our lives. Let me just tell you one story too about yourself. Because if you're anything like me, you've already blown it a number of times. And um, you know there was a, there was a desert monk uh, and he'd committed a fault. And uh, so they called, they called the monastery together 
and they called Abbot Moses in. He's the, 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 the leader of the monastery. His name Abbot Moses. And, uh, and Moses refused to, refused to go to the, to the meeting that was going to decide the fate of this monk that had misbehaved. Then the priest sent someone to say to him, they're waiting for you. So this is what Moses did. Moses got up and he set off and he took a jug, but it was a leaky jug and he filled it with water and he, and, and he took it to them. And the others came out to meet him and said, what is this, Father? And the old man said to them, he said, my sins run out behind me and I cannot see them, yet here I am coming to sit in judgment on the mistakes of somebody else. One of the, most, one of the hardest people that fathers are on is themselves. I want to remind you this morning, and God said, do not judge others. He was actually talking, you are part of that group of others. You actually need to allow your past, let the past be the past, and get on and say, today, today, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And if I fail today, guess what? I'm going to get up tomorrow, and this is what I'm going to say. Today, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Like the sun, every second your experience with God is transformed into inspiration to those around you. Your experience with God, every time you experience God, it gets transformed into inspiration to someone else. So your number one job is to continue to experience God. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we just lift up you this morning. We lift up your, your, your perfection, your wholeness, and your hope. Lord, we thank you that you are all sufficient in all things, Lord. And we thank you that you have chosen to partner with us. We thank you that you've chosen to use us to be conduits of your grace to another generation, to be conduits of light to another generation. Lord, in our failings, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, in our successes, we give you the glory. But this morning, as fathers, Lord, and as, and as believers, and as fathers of our community and those around us, Lord, as we, as we take a stand, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would help us to experience you in a new way, Lord, so that our lives can be transformed and become an inspiration of your hope to those around us. So, Lord, for every father in this house, I ask that your blessing be upon them. Lord, for every person in this house, Lord, may they experience you in a new way, Lord, this week. Lord, we want to be an inspiration, Father. We want to be your inspiration. We want to be conduits of hope and of grace and of truth and of holiness and of substance, Father. Lord, where we have judged ourselves, Father, we just repent before you now. We receive your grace afresh and we stand tall this day. We stand tall in your grace, in your hope, in your salvation, and in your redemption, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you. Like your words is, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And as we worship church, let's honor his name. Let's go out in his name and let's live our faith in public and give him all the glory and allow your, his inspiration to flow through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's sing. <laughs>